I mean, I've I've had moments where I've been like, when things have been hard in prayer, I've been like, did I do something wrong? And like, I'm being punished. I mean, I don't think that's the truth, but you know, but I think it's also important when you're feeling those emotions to, to give them to God and let him tell you that's a lie, you know? Like pray, like, hey, I God, I'm feeling this. I don't think, it, I know it's probably not true, but I want you to tell me it's not true. I want to feel the, the truth from you and not from myself. This is the Defiant Dad Podcast, show number 14, coming to you today from the great state of Texas. My name is Andrew Sullivan. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. Defiant is defined in the dictionary as showing a disposition to challenge, resist, or fight. In this podcast, it equips fathers to fight for themselves and fight for their families using the truth of the gospel. One of the hallmarks, uh, in my opinion, of a life well lived, of a life spent in dedication to the Lord as a believer, as a man, as a father, is uh, that your energy will be regularly poured out for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of others. Uh, a lie I often hear, uh, even from those who claim to be Christian pastors, is this idea that you have to, quote, protect your energy, uh, or that you have to, you know, be extra cautious, let's say, of giving away too much of yourself to others. Uh, what I see in the scriptures is a call to model your life after Christ. And I see in Christ a person who poured himself out for the benefit of others, for the glory of God on a perpetual basis. Uh, the pinnacle, of course, of this pouring out being his death and resurrection on the cross. Uh, but of course, look, we're not Christ. <laughs> you know, we're not part of the Trinity. We do not have infinite power and energy and compassion and infinite love uh, at our disposal. But what we do have is a good father. And he has promised to sustain us when we're in need. We must simply come to him in prayer and ask to be filled again. And our good Father, who gives good gifts for the sake of making his goodness known to the lost world, will surely at some point restore your strength and sustain you in your work for his sake. Uh, today on the show, I have Zane Forsyth. He's an elder candidate at the City Church in Fort Worth. He's also a longtime public school teacher, a friend of mine. He's a husband, a father, and a foster dad, too. Uh, he's hilarious. He's uh, charismatic, and he's someone who I know you'll absolutely love getting to hear from today. His wife have been through many, many great highs and lows in their marriage, and through it all, uh, they've truly, truly learned what it means to place your hope in God when all seems lost. This is an episode you're not going to want to skip, so let's dive in. Zane Forsyth, man, thank you so much for coming in. Um, this is an interview I've actually been really looking forward to uh, for a number of reasons. Um, a, to get to know you better. You know, I've known you for a long time, but I want to get to know you more. And B, uh, it's really one of, the, one of the things about this podcast, uh, one of my goals in starting this podcast was to... Um, I'm a big believer, first of all, in hearing how the Lord is working people's lives. Mm -hmm. You know, our faith is living and it's active. Yeah. Um, and I, it's more than just rituals we go through or like a good way to do things. Um, and I know you believe that. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot of people who, who say they believe that and maybe they don't live that way or maybe they don't believe that necessarily. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's such a powerful thing to hear someone's testimony. I think it's such a powerful thing to hear the ways that... Uh, what, what God's teaching you uh, and, and what the Lord has done in your life. Um, and so, first of all, I want to ask you, Zane, um, 
how did you get to Fort Worth and <laughs> what do you do now? And I just want to hear like your yeah. life story. How did you come to faith? Just everything about everything. I want to know. Yes. I want to know you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So start where you want to start. But oh, yeah. I and mean, speaking of like, we've gone to church. I think we're the two longest tenured families at our church. It might be. The yeah, Hudson's. I think so. I think well, now that, the, now that the Rubensons are no longer yeah, with us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always weird. People are like, you've been there for a decade? I'm like, I have. I yeah. have. It's for... actually probably more. It's yes. actually 12 years. Yeah. Um, I think that's about right for us too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So time to tell my entire life story. Um, Take so as much time I, as you want, my friend. Well, yeah. I was originally born uh, in Friendswood, Texas, which is uh, in Galveston County, south of Houston. I know exactly and, what it is. Yeah, really. Yeah, do you know, I think uh, Ryan is from Friendswood. Yes, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Hammond. Yeah. yeah, same same grade as my sister. That's awesome. So yeah. do you know Ryan Hammond, like, personally? Uh, he His his wife and my wife are good friends. Okay, that's what we I used thought. used to work together. That's yeah. right. He told me that after, maybe during or after the interview. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah they're great. I didn't know him very well in high school. Yeah. I guess I was, like, maybe went in different circles. Him and my sister both, uh, like, swim to, like, lifeguards at the same time. Nice. So, I guess they knew each other. Keep talking. My microphone stand is falling, but I'm going to... Okay, yeah. Keep talking. Okay. Well, anyway, I I grew up in Houston and was born into a Christian home. Uh, My mom and dad are both very strong believers. And pretty much from the time I was a kid, always instilled in me this, like, just, just to pray and to read the Bible and to be involved in a you know a church community. Oh, like, right. They were really big on that my whole mm-hmm. life. Now there's obviously, you know, things that they taught me that I've, I've grown to, you know, see differently a little yeah. bit. Like there's a, my parents didn't always want to be part of a church in their local community. Cause they like, were like, my mom was like a teacher okay. uh, and she didn't want to be around her kids when she went to church. Cause she wanted to like get to have more time worshiping alone. I'm like, I think that's kind of wrong. Yeah. You should probably yeah, try to pour into the community. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, little things like that. But Overall, there was always a um, family where, like, where believing in God was important, and going to church was important, and reading the Bible is important, and so that was all really cool. My grandpas were the same way. My grandmas were. We were just kind of like generations of Christian people, uh, but you know, I didn't. I don't know if I really became like a strong like believer or really understood my faith until I was in college. Okay. So when I went to college, I was in Young Life. Um, I was a Young Life like like teacher. I you know would go to the different like. <laughs> clubs and go to like the high schools and get kids to hang out and you know learn about jesus uh and just going there i also went to the village church in denton okay which i think might have a different name now but i went there for that whole time and it just really changed just a lot about me i grew up methodist so methodism isn't exactly the same as what i believe now there's a lot of just like i gotta admit i don't know what methodism actually means (laughs) i'm not sure if i do either (laughs) uh, having right now uh, my sister hears this i always just remember my mom say it's pretty similar to being a baptist you know which uh, is what we grew up as but i I don't know. You yeah, know, so I, I will my probably... My apologies to anyone listening and like Yeah, I'll probably mess this out. up. My sister is actually a Methodist pastor, and my brother-in-law has this green name, Methodork. So they're like very... My parents are like proud oh, Methodists. Okay, so I and put you on I, the spot. Yeah, answering. and I will probably mess all this up terribly. It's okay. But, Do your best. Uh, it's okay. I know the, the they're... Well, they're, so they're different from like... So we're going to actually nine church. They're different from us in the fact that they have... Um, there's like actual like order to like... Like uh, like a whole institutional order. There's like bishops and archbishops yes. and like people I've, in I've different conferences. Who's a, who's a Methodist pastor. Yeah, yeah, I remember and they, yeah. they move you around different places. I know one of the biggest concepts is like the idea of grace. Like a lot of like forgiveness for sins is really focused on, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I also know like they're um, they have like a, a the book of discipline, which is really important. Has like different like I, I I'm gonna mess that up. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna speak from out this on that. Okay, but it's a little different. Uh, I think was more like the villages. You know, it's more like a Bible church. You have you know I had Matt Chandler staying up there giving like hour and thirty minute sermons. When I was in high school, we were going to like 
20 minute sermons. They're just kind of a lot like, yeah. Hey, Jesus is cool. You know? And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, stick More around. Of a homily kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty straightforward and sometimes didn't always feel like it was going as deep as I wanted it to. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so it was cool to go to college and just get to be, have conversations with people where they ask bigger questions and we, kind of branched out just the kind of Methodist bubble I was in. And yeah. so that was kind of my upbringing and how I became a Christian. I really, I guess I never really wasn't, but it was always just, you know, one day in college, just, I was just reading the Bible and I just was looking through it and just like, you know, this is really important and this means something to me. This isn't like, uh, like you said, it's just a set of rituals I'm doing. This is something that's like actually changing my life. And it's like hard to, it would be hard to even try to separate it. Like I, I was yeah. talking to my wife recently. I was like, man, even if I wanted to, I don't feel like I could stop being a Christian. Like I would be yeah. like, it's just what I've known my whole life. And it's what I fall back on God when I'm wow. angry or upset or hurting. It's just been the rhythm. And so praise God. That's yeah, awesome. No, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Not by any work of your own. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. by any work of my own. No, uh, he's definitely <laughs> put me through quite a few things uh, to get me to that spot. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. And then honestly, your story and Katie's story is just part of, I mean, who you are, like I've seen, I was, this is why I started off the podcast the way I did hmm. is like, I have seen the Lord do amazing things in your life in yeah. the 12 years I've known you <laughs> yes. and been around you. Uh, and, and so I guess did you, so you stop me if you said this already, I apologize because no, I was fooling with my mic stand. You said you, be, you came to faith, you say like, like probably before like, coming to college. No, like about 19, 20 uh, was when I felt like I really had like Where'd a, you go to college? I went to UNT. UNT, okay. So like I had like a deeper understanding of like what it really meant to be Christian. Instead of just being like, oh, I, I do the right thing. It was like, oh no, I love Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I love <laughs> that. Know, like yeah, it's a, it's a, well, it's that you're, you're defining, I think very briefly and succinctly that there's been a cultural Christian and an yeah. actual believing Christian. Yeah, like growing up, yeah. it was more of just like, hey, don't, you know, don't have sex or do drugs. And yeah. if you don't do that, you're a Christian. You're, you're Congrats, yeah. you made it to heaven. Uh, and, and then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only it was that easy. No, uh, and then, yeah. Uh, it's actually easier than that. Well, I was going to uh, say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But no, by the time I was in start college, this podcast all over. Yeah, we're gonna re- <laughs> we're all begin. over the place already. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. If you, um, but it's by okay. the yeah, it was it was it was a good time. College is good. Learned learned a lot. Grew my faith. Uh, became a different person. Uh, met Katie uh, at a random church camp we went to. Okay. And she was there for I have no idea why she was there, and I don't know why I was there. We just both one day you were I college was, students at yeah, a church camp. Yeah, we just decided like counselors hey, or what? Yeah, we were counselors. Okay. She was technically my boss. Uh, so oh. you know. Yeah. Okay. I, yes. Was this were you like counselors like like a can of cut kind of uh pine cove kind of a thing or sure. Uh, it was actually called Glen Lake Camp. It's in Glen Rose, Texas. Never it's heard also of it. a Methodist camp. Oh, okay. okay. I don't know why Katie was there because Katie has no connection to the Methodist church that I know of whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think she said she went to a career fair and a person was just like, Hey, you want to work here this summer? And she was like, Sure. And then me, I I was talking to my sister and she was like, Hey, they need people at this camp. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything this summer. So I went to this camp and nice. Met Katie. Uh, first thing I thought was like, oh, she she seems like one of those TCU girls. I'm not really that interested. And then by the end of the camp, we were dating. So, you know, <laughs> actually like a week later, we were texting like nonstop. And then nice. we got married about two years later. And That's she so lived awesome. in Fort Worth. And I'd always kind of had an interest in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. My sister went to school and like went to TCU as mm-hmm. well. So I was just oh. like... Yeah, I just had been around it a lot. I was like, yeah, I want to live here one day. And then I ended up living here. So and now that's, I haven't left. I've been uh, here now for... It's funny how that works. Yeah. Isn't it? That's how Katrina and I are too. Like we, we both came to TCU and met in college and dated and got married. And we're like, you know, where do we want to live? We're like, well, I like it here. <laughs> that's a good place. It seems fine to me. So yeah. here we are. <laughs> that's a really cool city. Yeah. That's cool. So talk me through um, those first few... Like what? Do you, what do you do now professionally? Just I know oh, yeah. you do, but so yeah. people listening know. Hey, I'm a teacher, so I work in Fourth ISD. Uh, I've taught for 12 years. 
uh, actually, I guess 13, if you count student teaching. Wow. Uh, I originally was I student taught in Keller ISD at a really nice, uh, mostly upper class, pretty wealthy school. It reminded me a lot of the high school I went to. A public school there. Yeah, it was a public school there. And then um, after that, I got a job in Grand Prairie, worked there for four years uh, at a at a pretty good high school, but it was just a really far drive. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, it was really great for learning a lot about teaching, but man, I was getting up at seven in the morning. No, wait, sorry. I had to be there at seven in the morning. Oh, I was boy. leaving home at like 530 to get there. It was, it was awful. But, I, and then I would have to drive through like an hour of traffic to get yeah. home. It was terrible. I only did that for four years. I don't know why four, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you're a quick then, learner. Huh? Yeah. Eventually realized, <laughs> man, uh, well, Kate and I actually started thinking about having children and yeah. I was like, Oh, I should try to, you know, actually have a life in near my, where I live. And so I ended up getting into Fort Worth ISD, worked at a middle school for a year, uh, at the end of the year, they're basically like, you shouldn't teach middle school. This is not for you. And then they sent me off to go pick any high school I wanted to work at and end up getting into AIM and Card Riverside, uh, which is where I work now. And I've worked there ever since and really love it. It's a great school. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's very different from the original school I, t- I taught at Didn't mostly. did Riverside recently get renovated in like the last decade? Oh, yeah. Like every school has been renovated. We have has a it? new okay. building that we call like Riverside Community College because it looks like a community college. That must be what I'm envisioning. Yes, I think I've seen pictures in the paper or, it's or nice. maybe I've driven past it. I am in the the, build, the, the building that was made in like 1936. So, you know, <laughs> so, uh, okay. just getting as much asbestos and like like, r- like raccoon droppings. It doesn't kill you, whatever. makes you stronger. I yes. Guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but no. It's a great school. I've taught That's there great. for years. What I do you love teach? the kids. Uh, world history. Um, world history. Yeah, Have I you always teach, taught history? Yeah, always history. I also taught geography, but that's also part of history. I teach some AP classes. Um, yeah, it's just great. It's a really, it's a really it, fun. Is that experience. what you went to college to do? Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to be a teacher. Wow. That's uh, awesome. I think I just like talking. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I can. Ju- I'll just talk. Well, another reason to have you on the podcast because <laughs> yeah. you make it very easy for yeah, me. I don't. I don't feel bring like me to back in two weeks. Yeah, I'll please. Be, yeah, I'll tell you the rest of my life story. <laughs> um, I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. And um, talk me through the process of uh, you know wanting to have kids and and go from there. Yeah. So that so that didn't work. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, so we thought we're thinking about having kids, uh, and then we went on a vacation, and on the vacation, I got in a really bad bike accident. Okay. Uh, broke both my elbows and collarbone. And then like a week later, Katie had like a pain in her arm that turned out to be like a really rare, unique form of cancer that was causing her nerves to like not work. There was mm-hmm. like a tumor pressing its nerves in her brachial plexus causing all these problems. Okay. And so we ended up going through this crazy, like six year long cancer journey. Yeah. Uh, random tangent. I don't like the word like battle with cancer. Yeah. Cause I don't think that's, I don't think we really fight anything. I feel like, like we've, Kate and I talk about this a lot where it's like, it's like God who's doing the fighting for us. So to be like, oh, I'm, I'm having my battle against cancer. It always felt a little weird, like my cancer I, victory. I, I can't speak to that as I've never been a cancer patient, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's just something that I don't, I don't know. I've always felt kind of weirdly strong about. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Words matter. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does matter. <laughs> but anyway, random tangent. So we went through that whole thing. Yeah. Um, after going through, yeah, just a really crazy six years or so, um, we decided, well, life hasn't been crazy enough. Let's become foster parents. So okay. we decided to become foster parents. And have now we've been foster parents for about two years, and we have fostered uh, five different kids, and currently have our original two kids back in our house again. So wow, yeah. So it's been a, a journey to wow. say the least. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit, if you don't mind, before we get to your foster children. Yeah. I want to talk about the cancer with, yes. with Katie, if you don't mm-hmm. mind me. Yeah, I, I don't anything. know if you're I'm allowed to speak book. on her behalf. I mean, I know you went through a lot of that with her, but yeah, you know. I, I'm actually like her memory. She was on a lot of like like anti-vomiting drugs that made her just like fall asleep so she doesn't remember like okay significant portions yeah <laughs> so what what um 
What was your first reaction when you found out? Uh, well, it was pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it was terrible. Well, because I mean, I remember I was injured at the time, so I was, I was sitting in a chair watching Netflix. I vaguely remember. Yeah, the and yeah. my arms, I couldn't move my arms because they were completely broken. I was on like opioids, prescription opioids yeah. for pain, barely like cognizant. And Katie had gotten an MRI because she thought she had a pinched nerve. Yeah. And then she just suddenly checked it on her portal on her computer and just goes, I just remember her going, hey, Zane, don't freak out. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, I, I, don't, I don't understand what this says. And then I was trying to read it while feeling like really confused and spacey. And she was like trying to explain it. And then her family... Uh, they happened to be eating dinner with like a doctor her dad was and mm -hmm. she called and was like hey i just got this thing and he's like well i'm eating dinner with like the head of the oncology ward um let's see what this means yeah and so she just like suddenly just came and got her they drove off they went to a hospital started doing all these tests and i was just sitting in the house just like tripping on percocet basically oh yeah so uh <laughs> it was a pretty wild awful experience to go through that because while yeah. she was going through such a difficult time yeah. i was basically unable to be present i mean as much as i tried i couldn't i couldn't even like look at my phone my because right. like, my arms i couldn't like text You're or do it. i was completely immobilized and it was just a really awful experience i can't yeah. imagine man yeah um i did luckily i did heal in about you know eight weeks and i got my arms working and stuff again and then we then i was able to be more involved but it was yeah it was really hard to go through that uh. and she ended up having to do uh, i think like she did over a year and a half of chemo, mm -hmm. and then she got put on a clinical trial uh, that just wiped it out. It was just like a pill she started taking, mm -hmm. and that pill is an inhibitor pill and just completely got rid of her cancer. Wow. So then naturally, she got another cancer afterwards. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I laughed at that. You looked no. at me so seriously, no, and um, I just made like a dark laugh. Whatever makes you uh, happy, anyway, man. She, it's ended, okay. she ended up getting another cancer afterwards yeah. and which, for thyroid, which is luckily pretty treatable, and then okay. they did surgery on that. And so, man. yeah, which was I feel, right when COVID began. I feel like the worst friend because like, I feel like I've only known like shades of the story. I, you know, I, it's amazing how many people actually don't fully – for how many people I'm like good friends with, I don't think they know all the details. It was just such a long – Yeah. And when you're living in something like that, it's hard to even explain it. Like when someone's right. sick and they're telling you what's going on, I'll tell, I would tell my mom and she'd tell like my aunt. My aunt would call me and be like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. I'm like, that's not happening. Like we've, we've – something has gotten mistranslated. And it's just really hard to explain yeah. and understand. I think most people just knew Katie's been sick. Zane's healed you know, they need prayer. I mean, I think we had like a, like a meal train for mm -hmm. like two years or something insane. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's, it was interesting because I basically just ate it. Uh, Katie wasn't eating it at all. So well, I'm glad uh, you were yeah. Fed. Yeah. People of the city church, you fed me exclusively <laughs> basically for two years. And I thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. really good. Yeah. Wow. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I have so many questions just related to that, um, mm. that come to mind. Let's talk about like going through the shock and the grief and I don't know if grief is the right word, but the shock no, and, yeah. and the grief phase of, of having cancer and having a loved one, your wife with cancer. Yeah. What are some things that you've learned through that, particularly as they relate from like, as they relate to other people relating to you and like <laughs> coming alongside you, you know? Uh, yeah. So our church did a really good job of loving us. Good, good and bad. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, it was really a lot of good. Uh, our church did a really good job of like praying for us. We knew so many people were just like prayer warrioring it up. Is this shrink like lowering on me? I think it is. It's okay. A, it's okay. I'm you looking. Can... I'm like, it seems like I it's gotcha. farther away. Yeah, I got you. Uh, I got this. Oh, oh and then. <laughs> hour here. We are the. It's okay. We're good. Gonna. <laughs> anyway, I just I'll just rest my arm here. Yeah. But a lot of people just came beside us and they like provided for us and prayed for us. They um, we had like a card from. 
like Katie's mom's church with all these women who are passing around saying like who they're praying for, like that they're praying for each week and signing every time they prayed for. And it's like wow. this like index card, like all these signatures over like years. Okay. Uh, we had a family member who apparently was visiting the Pope somehow and okay. was like, Hey, I want to tell the Pope to pray for you. I don't know how the Pope, I don't know if that, that sounded fake. I don't know. If I, I don't know. That. He, um, he might've, you never know. But uh, we had just so many people just like, yeah, just come out and help. And, like I, people like sit with Katie while she's getting chemo. People mm. who would just provide us food. People who would um, just hang out with us. It was a weird yeah. time because I look back on it and I think of like all these like hard memories in it. But I remember like some really good times of just hanging out with friends and like like watching a TCU game. We're all laughing and telling jokes. It's like oh that was in the midst of you know the really hard days. yeah this really hard time. And it's it's funny because like now I feel like I'm a little bit like the cancer guy. It's <laughs> like yeah. when people like I, there's a guy recently at church who was con- concerned about something with his wife. It wasn't cancer, just something yeah. he was having fears about, like about her getting sick. And mm-hmm. he was just like, "Hey, can we meet and just hang out?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's yeah." I, I I would love to. I mean, I love sharing. I love talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but it's just funny that like yeah, like you know, I'm the guy for that. that I'm a good choice. <laughs> um, so it, it's yeah, it's because the interesting thing about it, and this is where I really learned. Well, I learned a lot of things from it, but one of the big things I learned is like, you know, as, as a young man, I was like 26 at the time. If anything happens in my life, I would like call my dad. Like if I was like, Hey, how do I like fix the plumbing or something? I would call <laughs> my dad and just kind of run by my thoughts and he would give me ideas. Yeah. There wasn't anyone to call when your wife has cancer. Yeah. It's like all the people who were going through, who had gone through this were like older men or way older. You know, yeah, yeah. Like it was just like a different and, and it was hard to connect or if like when you're like, what's it like when you're 26, you're thinking about starting a family mm-hmm. and suddenly your wife is ill and you're not, you're no, have no idea if she's going to survive. Uh, and that's, that's a very different experience. Like I, I remember trying to talk to my dad about it and he just felt like he, 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 you could tell he was trying so hard, but he didn't really know how to relate. Mm-hmm. And like my sisters both had kids during the time that same time. And they were like, initially trying to connect us and once they had babies they're like well they're they're, they're busy with their kids now and yeah. suddenly they're it becomes like it was just an interesting thing to experience um but i know that i know during it that people really loved us and prayed for us and i, I do not feel like people failed us in that time i think we were really supported so what was your answer then where do you go oh so i mean it was prayer uh i just yeah. i i I have learned to pray because of that experience in a way that I never knew I could. Really? Uh, the first night that I was able to sleep in the same bed as Katie again after my, when she was back from the hospital, my arms were actually, I could stop sleeping in an easy chair. Okay. Uh, I, I was like, we're going to pray every night together for the rest of our lives. And mm-hmm. so, and we really, and we still have, like we, every night we sit together, we pray mm. uh, and just uh, like ask God just to help us and provide for us or just, you know, thank him for things. It just, our life just became more centered around like dependence on God and understanding, you know, like it's like when I was younger, I was like, don't, don't, you know, drink. And then it was like in college, it's like, Oh, like it's about like, you know, not like, yeah, not sinning, but also having like a relationship with Jesus. And now it's just like, I just, I feel like I just have to be dependent on God. Like I, that's that's the only place you can really be. Yeah. It's like after going through that, it's like, I, I'm so powerless and so weak and, in order to just get through a day, I yeah. really need like need God, and I try to do it myself. I just fail. Yeah, like I just mess everything up. <laughs> you remember Ryan McCarthy, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Do you know him? I don't know yeah, if you know him did, personally. He does soul care. Yeah, does soul care at Christ Chapel. Yeah. He was one of my guests a few weeks ago on the podcast, and he he said this great quote that lines up exactly what you mm-hmm. said. He said, "You know, I used to think that being uh, a quote unquote varsity level Christian meant that I needed God less." Mm-hmm. And the deeper that my faith goes and the longer I have faith in Christ, the more I'm fully dependent on him. Yeah. And I realize how much I need him. Well, and it's such an important thing to learn, but it's such an awful thing to get to in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like to be like completely ripped, like 
like I felt like I knew where my life was going. I felt confident. I felt like this is who I am. And then I just got just completely broken down. Like if I was a building, mm-hmm. God just hit it with a sledgehammer and rebuilt me. Wow. And it's like, I'm a different person now. I can't, I don't even imagine who I, who I would be if that didn't happen and who I am now. Yeah. What I care about, what I think about, I like randomly cry now watching Pixar movies. Man. And it's not up. It's like like not Incredibles. Up. Yeah. I'll like Incredibles. I'll be, I'll be watch like Incredibles <laughs> and they'll like team up. And I'm just like, they're family and they love each I'm other. I'm watching yeah. Ratatouille yeah. and he's just cutting this yeah, tomatoes. Yeah, and... just the whole movie. <laughs> just nonstop crying. No, it's just but just the thing is yeah. I've just I it's like you start seeing the gospel and more things. It's just mm. and you start seeing when people are like pursuing like a false gospel. I don't know. It just when you start trying to focus yeah. so much on prayer and on God, it, it just it does start to change you and yeah. to go through something where it just feels like I can't control this and all I can do is cry out for help. Mm. Um, that's not something that many Americans would ever want to experience. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and that's part of the gist of this podcast too. Is like the the name of this podcast is the Defiant Dad Podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, and something that I think we even fall victim to wittingly or unwittingly. You know, as as American Christians is the idea that we want to be bootstrappy, we want to pull mm. ourselves up, and we always want to be all we need, and yeah. we're the center of our universe, and we fail or succeed based on our efforts alone and our desires alone, and yeah, yeah. this idea of de- fully depending, not just partially, but fully depending mm. on someone greater than ourselves uh, is so countercultural. Yeah, it goes. It, it's the opposite of what everyone says a man should be. Like yeah. you're told, men, you know, pick themselves by their bootstraps. They, they go out and they they make things happen. And yeah. you know, they they, I don't know. They if someone's acting up, you tell them peace of your mind and like stuff like that. Like kind of yeah. like cowboyish kind yeah. of mentality. And it's like, man, I just don't feel like that's what I want to be. <laughs> yeah, and 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 honestly, like, I feel like I've been in the last year. I've been a believer since 1999, but yeah. I feel like there's been a there's been a, a phase in my life I'm in right now where my faith in the Lord is, is deepening. Yeah. You know, I don't know for whatever Praise reason. God. Yeah, I'm thankful for that. And um, I guess it's part of the thing that, again, caused the podcast to get started in the first place is just the Lord working in me. But, yeah. like, through these conversations and then just through day-to-day life and, I guess, just the Spirit working within me, like, uh, like I've realized, I'm, 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 like you've been saying, like I've been realizing how fully dependent on God, I really am, Yeah, you know, and like God, God doesn't love me because I'm strong mm-hmm. and he doesn't love me because I sin less than I used to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, I, I don't know. It seemed, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's been eye opening for me to yeah. experience that. I, uh, it's definitely weird when you, it's like you start, yeah, it just be, it's like you start actually experiencing the vastness of God's love for you. It's way deeper. Yeah. It's, it's like way, way deeper than yeah. I ever realized. Yes. Yeah. You don't realize how much you thought he was loving you based on like conti- like restraints or, and that's not the right word, like contingent on your actions, basically. Yeah. 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 And, and then, and then like for a long time, I think I had a, in my early years of faith, had a very formulaic view mm-hmm. of God, the algorithmic yeah. view of God. Like, oh, if I do X, Y, then I will get Z. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, I still struggle with that. I mean, I know yeah. it's not true, but I have times I'm like, why I like, I've, I've been a, uh, you know, prodigal yeah. son kind of statements. Yeah. Like I've done was the there, right thing. Were there ever moments like in your, in your marriage where like, or just for you, but like, do you ever, do you ever feel like there are moments where like, oh, well we're dealing with this cancer struggle or we're dealing with whatever struggles are in our life because of some sin mm. in our life. I mean, I've, I've had moments where I've been like, 
when things have been hard in prayer have been like, did I do something wrong? And yeah. like, I'm being punished. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's the truth, but yeah. you know, but I think it's also important when you're feeling those emotions to, to give them to God hmm. and let him tell you that's a lie, you know, yeah. Yeah. like pray like, Hey, I got, I'm feeling this. I don't think it, I know it's probably not true, but I want you to tell me it's not true. I want to feel the, the truth from you and not from myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so true. I, you brought a verse to mind and, and I'm not, I'm not saying I don't know why, but like something come to mind is like the idea is the verse that says, you know, my, my burden, you know, take my yoke upon yeah. you because my burden yeah, is light, you. you know, like that again, that's so countercultural because we want to fight our own battles because I want to show God that I'm so strong and I don't need him, you yeah. know, and, and you see this as a worship leader. One of the things I get really tired of are a lot of modern worship songs where they speak about God, you know, God making me stronger, mm-hmm. you know, God, you know, he might make me stronger, but he might not, mm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, I don't know, I, I'm trying to put this like succinctly, like briefly, but like there are so many modern worship songs that have a great melody or whatever. Mm. And most of the lyrics are fine, but then they hum to a line where it's something a lot, like I heard one today. That I I can't remember what it was, and it's one that I I wouldn't want to lead at our church. But like, the line of the the line was something along the lines of you know, what 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 water are you gonna have me part? Hmm. What water are you gonna have me walk on? Yeah. And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> and it really sounds like, from the point of view of the person, the theology of the person who wrote that song, it seems to me. And I'm trying to be gracious here because maybe this is what they mean at all. But they they seem to me like they're saying, okay, if you're really strong in faith, God is going to reach you to a point where you don't need to call back on him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's not true. Like, I, in my experience anyway, yeah, God is always going to bring you back to him. Yeah. It's like, you know, saying God empower me so that I don't need you anymore. That that's, right. That seems wrong. Like, I think, yeah, I feel like it's very clear throughout the whole Bible that God wants a relationship with us very like strongly. He wants a relationship with us. It's yeah. seems to be his primary goal. <laughs> right. And our strength is not our strength because he's made us stronger. Our strength is him. Yes. Like he is our strength. Yeah. Yeah. Like we don't have to fight the battle because he's fighting it for us. Yeah. And that's a hard thing, especially being raised in like Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, like as a man, yeah. that's a hard thing to, to truly believe. You can think it, but to really like take that into your heart, that's hard. I yeah. mean, it changes a lot of your life. The yeah. more and more you think about that and the more you believe that, yeah, the things that were important to you don't become so important. Yeah. You start, yeah, you start to realize like maybe I cared too much about, I don't know, some being like, I don't know, being cool or being not that like going, going to church and like, like glasses and like a, like on a motorcycle or something, but like, <laughs> but like, I don't know, being perceived well by your, your community or by yeah. people or, you know, like looking like you're in control or with it. Like, I think mm-hmm. I've noticed how much control is an idol for me, how much I want life just to go a certain way. And when it mm. strays from that, mm. it makes me feel frustrated and angry. Cause it's like, I'm being exposed that I'm not God <laughs> and it makes me mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I hear that. I hear that. Um, another question that came to mind was, um, excuse me, I keep burping because of this fizzy yeah, water. Yeah, we're excuse drinking me. these like, I mean, to be fair, this is really good. This grapefruit one. It's delicious, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, a little cheaper than LaCroix too. It's good. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is, what then, my next question logically, I don't know if logically or not, but in my mind logically <laughs> is what is the point of prayer? 
Uh, the point of prayer. I, so like, I'm why, actually, why, why pray? Like, well, I'm actually preaching about this on Sunday. I don't know if you know. That. I don't think I knew. I probably did. And <laughs> You're I basically just... getting a, a preview of my whole sermon. Well, go on. Yeah, there Lay you go. No, I think uh, prayer does a lot of things. I think one of the biggest things is that it, it teaches us our uh, position before God, that we are supposed to be like humbled and see our weakness as our strength. Like okay. when we're weak, he's strong, like like just like the That's little like kids. We just talking so, about. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that prayer forms us because, I mean, we're going to pray. Like sometimes you pray over and over and over again for years and something what you're praying for doesn't happen. And it's like, what's that about? And right. so like, like on Sunday, you'll, you'll hear me say this, is that it's it blows my mind that Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he... He prays over and over and over again for hours until he's, he's, you know, sweating blood that he won't be crucified, but he knows he has to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting thing is that he is, he, he knows what he's here for. That's his whole mission, his whole life. Like mm-hmm. he knows what he's there for. This is his moment. And he's begging God, like he knows it'll be said no, but he's still praying to God. Mm-hmm. And I think that that says something that, that the act of praying is a, it's, there's a mental shift that goes in there when you're saying like, it's not about me. It's about like God and I'm, and I'm going to give my emotion or my feelings to God so that God can then, you know, like work in that or, or like he point out where I have flaws. My thing, now that I'm saying Jesus had flaws and is thinking that's not where I'm going. Like yeah. I don't need someone like heresy police calling me, but <laughs> thing for us, us, yeah. you know, uh, like when, when, when you pray, you, you, God shows us things that we might not have noticed. Like mm-hmm. recently I was praying about something uh, that I've been praying for a very long time over. And I said to Katie, I was like, man, I just wish God would like, give us like Ebenezer's or something to show us like that he's hearing us. And, and she was like, well, like here's these like five I can think of that happened in the last like six months. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's Just... a lot. And she was like, yeah, she's like, you know, like she's also been praying for this. She also is a, a like passionate about it. She's also having things revealed to her by God. So like praying together, we're seeing like, it's just a reminder of like, Hey, we're like, God is working through us. He's forming us. He's, he's making us more like him. And the act of just being like, like humbling ourselves to God and just crying out to him causes us to think about God and, and change us. And I think there's kind of mm. a mystery to prayer in that. Like Th- it's, there is for sure. Cause you know, like it's cause I think you could always make the argument like, why, why do we pray? Like yeah. what's the, what's the point? It's yeah. if God's all powerful, all knowing why do this? Yeah. Uh, but I think God tells us to pray over and over again in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We have tons of examples of people praying the Bible and having their prayers answered. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to stop and realize that it's obviously important Mm-hmm. And even though if we don't fully understand all the details, it does change us and grow us and bring us closer to Jesus. And that's like our whole purpose in life. So, yeah. So, it, if the reason, it, you know, if part of our existence here on earth is to have relationship with God, yeah. you know, A, the Word of God, the Bible is living and active. Yeah. You know, it's not just some dead text that we yeah. refer to, it's not a reference. Yeah. You know, it functions like that sometimes, but it's not just a reference, yeah. you know. Uh, but the other part, like you say, is prayer, uh, or the other part, like there's one of the other parts is prayer, you yeah. know, uh, and that, yeah, it, it, I like how you said that it, it positions us. It reminds us of our position before God. Yeah. Because if we, at the end of the day or whenever we pray morning in the day, whatever, you know, whenever we come to pray, uh, we have to. Yeah, do a mental refocusing because all day long we can act like we're the hero, we're the mm-hmm. center of our story, we have it all together. Yeah. Uh, we're accomplishing so many things and we're really proud of us. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're still realizing there's one who is greater. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, because like imagine something awful happened. Like you hear, you find out like your house burned down. I would hope that doesn't happen. We're currently in that house. So that'd be very concerning. Yeah. But you find that happens. 
And your first action could be immediately start calling the insurance company, calling all, like, just go, or you can take just a second and pray and yeah. be like, you know, God, this house is given to me by you. You know, this is a blessing. It's sir, like the fact that I have insurance on my house is a blessing. Like you're going to provide and I'm going to trust in you. And it just, it just changes the perspective from, I have to go fix everything to knowing that yes. God's already working in it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my weird example. Sorry. Pulling, pulling up the baby monitor here in case my daughter's awake and i'm not aware of it we're good guys i mentioned the house burning down the first yeah thing. that's like, exactly like, that's what a great fatherly instinct well, i should was. check to see if my kid is uh, uh, i usually you know we do these nighttime recordings i usually have the baby monitor here and it's so quiet because the kids are asleep i was like you know my daughter could be screaming her head off right now and i wouldn't hear her. i mean she'll probably she's although she cries pre- back asleep she cries pre- <laughs> she cries pretty loud though i might have might hear her anyway <laughs> um <laughs> yes well it's it's amazing then to see the role that uh you and Katie have at our church, one of many ways you serve our church, but that I love that we've started working into our services is having you guys mm-hmm. uh, pray for folks in the middle yeah, of service. Yeah, yeah. Has that been a fruitful experience for you? Yeah, it's been cool. Um, sometimes I, I kind of joke with Katie, like we're like the priests, like someone comes to the back and talks to us. Uh, but Are people taking advantage of that? Yeah, so more than you'd think. It's hard for me to tell from yeah. singing songs up there. but Well, it's, yeah, there, it's more than you'd think. Uh, we don't have, like, the biggest church ever, so you can't, you're not going to expect, like, 15 people every right. day. Right, But yeah. I, we consistently have, like, one to two, sometimes three people wow. every Sunday just come up and praying. And wow. it's different people each time. I love and that. And so it's, like, it's not like it's, it's so that's a cool thing to see. Like, sometimes there's kids who come mm-hmm. up and they just, like, they'll be, like, eight-year-old kids who just walk up to Katie. Never me. They don't want me to pray for them. They'll talk to Katie <laughs> and she'll pray over them for a bit. And it's just, it's a, it's a cool thing to see, like, just people realizing they have a need and just saying, mm-hmm. Hey, I just want someone to pray for me. And I mean, not like we're like special about our prayer or anything. Yeah. It's just, but it's cool to get to, to do that and yeah. to you know, hear people's stories. Cause when you pray for people and you're like earnestly praying for them, you love them more. Like you, yeah. you think about them, they, they become like forefront of your mind. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you about your fostering yeah, yeah. experience. How did you get into that? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. I don't. That's, I'll just say God. No, uh, we were, it was like COVID had happened. We were all locked down. And I felt like we had finally gotten to the point where our lives were becoming like somewhat stable. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking about like, okay, do we want to have like, like we're back to the kid conversation, mm-hmm. you know, like, do we want to start growing our family? And we, we started thinking about all the different ways we could do that. And we thought about like, uh, like, like in vitro mm-hmm. fertilization or something like that, or like surrogacy. Cause I don't, I don't know if Katie at the time was taking a medicine that would allow her, mm-hmm. she was like, they're like, don't be pregnant while taking this. This yeah. is really bad for the baby. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we started looking at surrogacy and then we started looking into like adoption and then we're just like, I don't know if it was because of all the stuff going on in the world at the time, but we just like, I just started thinking like, you know, like a really good way to love our neighbors just to like bring in people into our home and love them mm. like literally widows and orphans into our house and care for them. And so I, I don't even know how we stumbled into it. We were actually pretty against fostering originally. Hmm. Like I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm against it. Meaning like it wasn't something you're interested in. I was just, in. I was just scared of it. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I want to bring in kids who've been through so much hardship, like into my house and, and yeah. just, and, and try to like love them. That's hard. That's scary. Mm. Uh, and then just, I guess like almost like overnight, we just had like conversations like a few weeks. The next thing you know, we're like, we're all in and we were going to the trainings. We were doing all these things. And, uh, and then we got certified really fast, like within like four months and, 
And we just, you just sit there and you wait for that phone call. Yeah. <laughs> so I had Kirk Bolton in here two nights ago. Uh, he's gonna be the episode right before you, before yours. And he was, I asked him a bunch of questions about fostering yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. He's and awesome are, are, what agency did you guys go with? We're the same one as him. Same CK. one as him. Yeah. It's one of the biggest ones in the area. Okay. I yeah. see. I, I know nothing yeah. about it other than your conversation. No, there you go. Yeah. Um, walk, walk me through the, the training, walk me through like oh, the, you know, the, the weeks before your first placement, like, did you have doubts? Did you, um, did you not, or were you feeling pretty gung ho about it? Man, from... we had, uh, the trainings were a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't really want to, I'll be honest. I don't want to talk about the trainings. They're, okay. they're long. It's like really okay. like three or four hour long trainings that take up like entire afternoons and you have to do them all by set times and they only offer them at certain times. It becomes, Oh, interesting. It becomes very tiring very quick. You think they'd make that as easy as possible while still fulfilling yeah, you requirements. Think. Uh, yeah. Well, we were doing it during COVID, so we got to do them all on Zoom, okay. which was cool. Yeah, uh, but apparently they used to do them in person, so that was like a lot. But those trainings, those trainings were a lot. But, you, but they were really useful. I mean, you learn a lot about just what kids who go through trauma experience, yeah, and what their lives are like, and kind of what to expect a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, there was one training where I felt like we, I, I was, I became fearful because one of the people there was talking about the different rules your household has to have, mm -hmm. and. They mentioned specifically like you can't have pill trays at all. Mm -hmm. And Katie like has a lot of medicine. She has to put in pill trays. Yeah. And we were like, what? Like, why can't we do that? Mm -hmm. And and then it becoming like like the one was like like for a moment I thought they're gonna be like, Well, you've gone through all these trainings. This is literally the last training and we're gonna disqualify your house. Yeah. Uh, eventually we actually talked to some people and we found out like, no, that's that's not what we were communicated. But, Got it. but I was just like, Oh my gosh. Uh, just, don't leave, <laughs> just don't leave them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Just make sure they're locked. Yeah, that was that became the okay. I was like, Okay, well, cool. Yeah. Um so yeah, well, in CK, if you're listening, I'm fairly certain that's what you said. Right? Um, yeah, uh, but uh, we have an email. It's like you're allowed to have pill trays. Um, okay, good. Yes, good. so we're good. Okay, um, you say but, that with confidence. That's yes, good. I say that with confidence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we we went through all that, and it was yeah, it was a lot, but it was good. And then we just kind of waited for like a really long time. So I know from Kirk, I know from Kirk that there's, I, I learned this through Kirk. Like there's a way to indicate your preferences as far as yeah. what your limits are as far as behavioral needs or medical needs yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or one child or brothers and sisters or you know you can yeah we we said i think up to two children ages like zero to five because we were you know we were like like 29 mm -hmm. maybe 30 at the time i don't know how old we were i guess it was 30 that would be mm -hmm. how the math would check out mm -hmm. uh and it, and it felt like if we had kids at the time having like a 10 year old would be a little weird yeah, I mean, it could it could work? But it's like I don't know how to raise it. I don't know. Yeah, like five felt like the right age. Like, because yeah. that's like where roughly the kids our church's ages are, and my nieces are the same age. So we're like, yeah, you know, zero to five. Um, and we 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 were open to more stuff than we end up getting with or have gotten with our kids. But like we were open, to like like you have to say like okay, for abuse and you know, um, like different types of violence and things. I think one of the biggest ones were like the ones like have they hurt animals and we we're like, no, like we have a dog, like we can't do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but when the kids we're working with, it's, it's, they're not really showing many of those traits. Yeah. They're like the more adult ones okay. about like, have they like exposed themselves in public or something? Mm. It's like, well, you know, if you're like three, that's not necessarily abnormal. If you're right. 13, that's a bigger that's deal. A bigger so deal. yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, so those runs we, we with our age group, it, it doesn't really come into factor as, yeah. as much. But okay. uh, we ended up waiting for about like two months. It turned out like they hadn't officially opened our house, but they actually, well, they did. They made a weird, our, our paperwork said we wanted two kids not related <laughs> between the ages of one and five. And we're like, what? 
So it's like we wanted to have like two different I don't, like that. You can have two kids, but they better not be related. Yeah, but we don't want anything to do with each other. I was like, that doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, that's odd. Uh, and so we finally got that cleared up, and then we got a phone call actually right before Katie's birthday. And there was a 18 month old girl who needed home, so we took her in, and uh, I'm not gonna mention the kid's name. No, please, yeah. 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 Uh, and then like four day like I, I, like a day later, they were like, hey. She has a, an older sister who's four. And we're like, oh, okay. And then like like three days later, she was barging into our house and just like throwing her clothing everywhere and being like, I'm here. And this is my house. And this is like this. I have this. And like, we're like, whoa, this is a lot. And, you know. And immediately we were, we were parents of two kids. And we're like, okay, what do we do now? Thrown in the deep end. Yes. Yeah. It was so... Um, it was wow. pretty wild to suddenly just because you know it's like I don't know what a baby does, but I have a, a one year old now, you know, so I I don't, you know, but yeah. we learn you learn quickly, and it's amazing how quickly we can adapt and yeah. change, and so from there we had them for nine months, uh, then we took on a baby about a month later. Real, for real a quick, month. what was your what was your prayer like that first night? The prayer like I don't I was actually you said really you prayed together every night with your wife. I wonder well, what it was I, like I, that I first night. I have no idea. I I know Katie. Every time we take a new placement, and she's like more stressed, and I'm more like she's always excited. And then we get them, and then she's like, I have to do this, this, then this, and this. And yeah. then me, I'm like, I I'm so nervous about getting a kid in her house. And we get them like, okay, cool, it's great. This yeah. is the kid. Like I can work with this. Uh, so marriage complimentary yeah, goals. It's nice. Uh, huh? It's amazing. Yeah. But then after about four <laughs> days, we end up kind of balancing out. Mm-hmm. The, but. I was really excited the first day. Uh, I think I have like a journal entry that's like, I met this kid, I already love him. I'm so oh. glad. It was something I wrote. Uh, I love and that. yeah, so we, I was very excited. Katie was very excited, but we were tired. We had to pick her up from the hospital at like three in the morning because they had to check her for potential like abuse, mm-hmm. which there didn't turn out to be any. She just has like really like pale skin. Mm-hmm. So it looked like she had bruised, mm-hmm. but they wanted to do all these checks. It was really late. And we finally got home and she slept like, three hours and then we were up and about and it's like oh we have a kid in our house and like all these family members like oh we want to come over and see y'all because you don't have a kid there and she was like one so we're like okay whatever yeah you know so and then like a few days later we had her sister and then i think everyone then you know you start getting all the kid colds and things i think i got covid like four days and you were really thrust like into parenthood weeks I mean, in. it's yeah it, it was yeah. just like okay everything you know things that could go wrong went wrong and but yeah, we ended up, yeah, it was all good. Like I said, we ended up having for like nine months, uh, which was really fun. And they're actually living with us again. We've had them again for nine months. And um, their case is supposed to be coming to a close in about three months. So What, what does that mean? Uh, there's technically a set amount of time that they can have be in, in foster care. Okay. And they kind of got relaunched into a new case. Okay. And so that, that case has a set end date. It has to close by where they make final decisions. Okay. And I, I'm... I, don't, I can't get you can't speak into yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Stop me. Just tell me you can't answer it. I'm just so, I'm such mm-hmm. a noob here when it comes to this. But when you say c- case comes to a close, would that mean like you would be the full time parents of these children? Uh, Is that a possibility? So po- there's with every case, there's okay. a possibility they can go to family. Okay. Uh, they can go to their parent again. Okay. Or they can stay with the foster okay. parents. There's also some weird other stuff where it's like they they become like like the the foster agency becomes like in charge of them and okay. then they can like lean them out to different places. But like the parents don't have rights or something, or it's, it's kind see. of, there's some weird, there's things. a few different outcomes. But is what theoretically you're we're supposed to have, like it gets out of like the initial year long, almost like 
probationary stage where there's, like, they're meeting every month. They can go into like a longer term okay. thing. And I don't mean to be inadvertently offensive, but yeah. is your is your hope that they would stay with you? Oh, these girls, we we love them very I, very I, much. Okay. Yeah. but but we also love their mom. We know their mom. I think I need. Well. I mean, yeah. I need that, but like I wanted, you know. Yeah. If yeah. if if they ever needed us to be their long term parents, I, we would have no hesitation. Yes. Okay. But it's obviously though extremely hard. That's that's hard for. Like you think about foster care, you're jumping into waters that are painful for every single person involved. The people who are fostering probably are probably most foster parents I know either were in foster care at some point or like mm-hmm. just have or or are well, they're all Christians uh, or yeah. many of or many of them couldn't have kids themselves. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about people who are deciding to take in kids because they had some hardship or fertility or mm-hmm. something. Then you have kids who are coming to your care because they were either abused or neglected or yeah. just treated poorly. And then you have parents who are trying to get their kids back, but who sometimes don't have the, who aren't given the the right resources to actually help them to get there. And mm-hmm. they can get them. And there's lots of resources that are given, but sometimes it's like you can give people stuff, but they don't always know how to use those tools. Yeah. And so you're just in a situation where it's like, even if you do end up one day, like if Kate and I were to end up adopting kids from fostering, which if we do this long enough, the chances are that happens. Yeah. It's not like that's, oh, everything's easy now. It's like, oh, you have kids who have been through so much stuff, probably more than like I have, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, four. And it's like, you're like trying, like, how do you, you know, care for someone and love someone and knowing that all these things will always be like, knowing that they'll always have a part of them that like feels like they're neglected or mm-hmm. feel like they're abandoned and, trying to also connect them to their family and in a yeah. safe and loving way. There's all this complicated stuff that you have to start thinking and yeah. you have to have a lot of wisdom and prayer. When, when trying to relate to a young, tiny human who has <laughs> been through trauma. Yeah. I'm not saying like my own children, you know, I suppose I'm sure I probably have done things that have hurt them, but like yeah, yeah. Uh, when trying to relate to someone or just say, cause I think you can speak to this, but your experience is mostly with kids, but yeah, you also, also, but also as school, a teacher, yeah. You know, and trying in other adults, you know, you're going to come across, we're all going to come across people who have been through trauma. Yeah. I'm around how a lot can of people we, of trauma. How yeah. can we relate to people like that uh, in a way that's faithful, uh, you know, to our calling as Christians, faithful to the gospel? Oh, gosh. That's a, yeah. how, how do we, I, I bet you've done it, you know, like you've yeah, probably experienced some highs and lows through that. I want to know, like, what are some of the lessons you've learned in, in well, trying to love these people well? Well, I've probably felt like a success as often as I felt like a failure. Uh, I know I have my relation, my feelings towards the biological parents is often really complicated. Like okay. on one hand, they're children of God. They have, they have souls, you know, they're made in his image. Mm-hmm. They're valuable and they're in really hard situations. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's like, you want to love them and help them. It's like, you know, it'd be really cool to see these, these kids and their families come to faith because of this fostering, you know, like God making a great thing out of a hard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also like, but they also the ones who did everything that caused all this to happen. Some of their, a lot of their stress and, and or all their stress is self-inflicted. Yeah. And it's so yeah. hard. Cause you're like, man, like you're the reason this kid is having these problems, mm. but you're also a human too. Mm. And, and I can't, I, 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 I shouldn't, I, it's like, it's just, it's hard. It's like, I want to love you, but I also am struggling with, you know, I also have anger towards you and that's a really mm-hmm. difficult thing to go through. It's a normal thing. Yeah. I yeah. And I, yeah. I doubt that that's abnormal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing you talk to any foster parent that many of them will say similar things or maybe even just be like, yeah, whatever. Bio parents. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. But I, I know that 
when you're relating to people of trauma with uh, my students or with my my foster kids well first of all my foster kids it's not they none of them have had trauma that's so bad that it's like super noticeably different than other kids at mm-hmm. this point it might be when they get older um you know, I might inter- like I, if I'm still around them, God willing, hopefully I'm never away from these kids much in my life ever. Yeah. But if they're like, you know, 15 or 16, you might start seeing more of the stuff. But right now as kids, it's just more of like there'll be times where they just kind of get angry about things or like have like kind of depressive-ish kind of spells mm-hmm. or just little things. And it's not – it's and it's just more about like patience and listening and being present with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with my high school students, it's, it's actually kind of the same. It's like – they, me and my students, they, I don't, I don't know what their home lives are like, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but some of them seem like they, they don't have many like positive relationships. And so I think when you're mm. just giving them relationships and, and you're caring about them, yeah, they seem to, that seems to really matter to them. So when kids are going through hard stuff, I just try to like joke around with them, talk to them, uh, just check in on them, just. Yeah treat them like a person like i know when i was going through hard things i always hated me when people are like so like how's how's the cancer you know or whatever mm-hmm. it's like you know just ask me how my day is or just like talk to me about like sports or just like yeah like can be like hey let's go get a beer or something or you know like just love the person and don't make their identity the hardship because hmm. uh, i feel like i mean it's important to acknowledge know that's there and acknowledge it but that's not who they are their their their, their identity is their children of god it's not i'm a child of trauma it's not mm. I'm a child. I'm as I'm not the cancer husband, you know. I, I'm a I'm a child of God, and I went through that, and that strongly correlates my life. But I also want people to see me as me and love me for what God made me. Like I have other parts of me, mm. and so it's a part of like pointing that out to them. Like mm. you're valuable for all these things. Like I try to, I I with my foster kids, I'll be like, hey, I love getting to be your foster dad. Or I'll just be like, you know, I'll just tell them good things about them. Like, I love how you do this. And I like just compliment them, love them, treat them, you know, p- classic parenting things, you know, <laughs> just treat them like normal kids. And when they have their moments where things are hard, just be willing to listen and be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold them in those times where they're upset. And, you know, know like our kids just saw their mom a few days ago and they're, she's now drawing pictures of her family and saying mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I got my, I got the best family and I got that. And you, you know, you want to be like, there's a, some evil part of me that's like wants to be like, well, you know what this family did or something like, yeah. you know, like you yeah. know what we've done for you, some sort of thing. Yeah, and it's like you know, just push that aside. They're kids. Mm. Let those emotions go away, and just understand that she's she's a kid who's just misses her mom, you know, and she doesn't know what her mom's been through. She doesn't understand. She just misses her mom, and she feels like she's missing out on having a mom. Yeah, and she and she loves us. She knows we care about her. She's she knows she loves us so much. And at that time, she might not be saying it, but it doesn't change that. That's still the truth, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just a lot of meeting people where they're at and not trying to fix them, I think. Mm. But just being able to listen and to love them and to just treat them like people. Yeah. Um, also, and to pray for them as much as possible. Mm. Like, we try to get, we are, we are praying with these girls yeah. as much so as they're we hearing, possibly They're can. encountering, <laughs> yes. yes, you're praying with them. <laughs> Yeah, so we're, just for them. Yeah, and in the morning before I drop off our oldest, we at school we do like a little like Bible study in the car. So like we're you know we're we're trying to instill like, hey, there's hope outside of your circumstances. You know, mm. like this isn't who you are. You're a child of God. You know. Mm. So. Do you feel like that's producing fruit in their life? Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised uh, our oldest one. She'll like randomly like, 
like I said something like you only get one body because she's talking about eating lots of sugar. And she's like, actually, I get I'll get a second one when I'm reborn in the new heavens and earth. I was like, what? Whoa, okay. I was like, all right, <laughs> uh, way to go. Someone's been reading Revelation. Yeah, you know? I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, I thought that wow. was really shocking. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, it seems to be sticking, and it seems to it seems to matter to her. Um, Love that. Yeah. So, and yeah, I mean, I I don't know what these kids' future will be but i know that i'll be praying for him through the whole time Mm -hmm. and i know that um that i'm instilling at least some sort of baseline trust in god Mm -hmm. and i don't know if they'll leave my house and go off and have a a great 10 years or hard 10 years whatever or maybe they won't have their faith for a while but i know that i'm i won't stop praying for them Mm -hmm. and that at least in the beginning of their life i've i that i've been around them i've told them as much as possible how important this is to my life and to Katie's life and to their life and just try to let them see our church and see how we treat people in our church and how we love one another and mm. hope that that leads to them. If they go through a hard time, they've abandoned the faith. Hopefully that's what God can pull them back through that, you know? Yeah. So, well, I praise God for the, the great model that you and Katie have provided for these kids, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and and my sincere hope and prayers that however long these kids are with you, whether it's, you know, days longer or, or for the rest of your lives, yeah, yeah. you know, I hope that the cumulative effect of your love for them and your modeling a, a, a godly life for them is going to produce continual fruit. Yeah. That's, right? I mean, that's, that's your hope. That's our, our main hope. Like it's, yeah, it, because that's what really matters. It's like, just let them know they're loved let them know there's people who care about them. Let them know that God loves them. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's the, if, if they can believe that, well, before they go wherever they go in life, mm-hmm. uh, as long as they got that route, I feel like I, I trust that God can do the rest, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> so yes, not that he didn't do the, 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 the beginning part, but you know, what would you say to a person, um, to a couple who's considering fostering or who may be wondering, like, do I have this calling, hmm. you know, cause, cause, cause Kirk, Kirk the other day, he spoke to, you know, him and, and his wife feeling a calling yeah you know would you say you felt that as well yeah we kind of just like i said it was i don't know how we got there we were looking into stuff and next thing you know we we're fostering kids and i i mean i've and i've met people who are asking me about fostering and they're like ask me they're like oh yeah really interesting i was i was talking to him and like after a little bit i was like you know and you don't have to foster if you don't if you're not like you could tell like maybe you guys actually yeah don't want to do this and yeah. uh i i think it's yeah, there's there's discernment that has to happen. You need to be, there needs to be prayer. There needs to be like discussion with your community about it, like talking with people and seeing that they think that you're good. Like if you if you because like, you need patience mm-hmm. to be a foster parent. You can't be a controlling person. You have to be patient. Hmm. You have to know that like your kids aren't gonna look like the perfect little kids when you take them in public. They're gonna act like insane people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's fine. I mean, that's true of most kids, but yeah. like you know, but you you don't have control over a lot of things that are foundational in their life, mm. and you just have to be there to catch them while they fall. Yeah. I, I told my wife on things that's so frustrating is like whenever they have visits or they have these hard times, like we're they this hand them back to us and we have to rebuild them. It's like mm. we have to help them get back emotionally regulated. Yeah, after going through something hard, and so um. I think if someone's interested in fostering, they should talk to other foster parents. I think uh, hear what they have, what they experienced. We talked to Kirk and Leslie when we were going into it, yeah. and just like yeah, learn what it's like because it's not easy and it's not for everybody. And some people like just they don't have the time to do it. There's requirements that are there's a lot of requirements. Hmm. Uh, we're lucky that Katie's schedule is pretty flexible on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so we can sneak that stuff in. Hmm. Uh, but it's like yeah, there's there's stuff that has to happen, and you have to know you can do it. You hmm. know. 
Um, but I, I do think though that more people should look into it. I mm -hmm. think. Excuse me. Oh, these, yeah, these <laughs> they're good. They're yeah, delicious. They're great. Yeah, just making us burp. Uh, yeah, you're fine. But it's like that. Was that like Willy Wonka where they're like burping <laughs> and floating? Anyway, uh, like the yes. Whiz Pop or something. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. Imagining the kid floating to the top yeah, of the building. Yeah, getting, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's us, uh, listeners. That's, that's um, us right now. Anyway, yeah. the <laughs> what am I talking about? Uh, the where was I going? You're I talking, talking, about, talking about discerning your call. Yeah, I think just yeah, you talk to people, you see if people believe that that's a good idea for you, and you know, you think about if you're actually really capable of doing it. But I really think more Christians should be interested in fostering. I mean, not that I mean we're like the main people who mm -hmm. foster, but I think it's, there's always gonna be more people who do it. I think it'd be cool if more churches had like a, I call it like almost like a two year sign up for the military kind of concept, yeah. where it's like uh, I'm going to, you know, take like a two year challenge and see what happens in the two year period. You know, mm -hmm. you just man, at that point you can foster like five kids like Katie and I, you know, uh, mm -hmm. or, uh, I think about, I think I would really love to see more older empty nesting parents who are Christians be like, yeah, I want to take in like teenagers because mm -hmm. there's so many teenagers that need homes. I've heard that. Uh, it, like kids, the younger kids go really fast. Um, but, but teenagers, man, like they need people who've raised teenagers before who are willing to stand there and be like, yeah, I'll love you. I'll support you. I'll let you be in my life and I'll, I'll root for you and help you get a driver's license and, you know, teach you like about like sex and mm -hmm. like, and, and money and mm -hmm. like, and like get you ready for adulthood. Yeah, get you ready for adulthood. Yeah. And so, cause you probably haven't learned that yet and that's stuff you need to know. And, mm -hmm. and also understand what a teenager's like, like if man, I can imagine if you gave me a, a, like one of my students I have at my school and said, they live with you now. Uh, that would be that would be wild. Mm. I don't. I wouldn't want that. That would be a lot of phone <laughs> confiscating would be going on. Like you have been on TikTok for eight hours, <laughs> only eight hours. Yeah, and gosh, no, yeah, they're charging it. And yeah. So real quick, I, well, not necessarily real quick, because I want you to take as much time as you need. Yeah. But what um, if you can? I would like to hear like a, a, a story, a high, you know, a high and a low hmm. through fostering. <laughs> Uh, if you, you know, without, you know, breaking any rules or anything, yeah. um, and how, you know, and maybe how the Lord brought you through it, you know, uh, yeah. some spiritual implications, lessons learned. Gosh, I mean, through those moments, man, uh, well, the highs, there's tons of highs. Fostering is filled with highs. It just, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's like parenting. I think people need to hear that because yeah. when most people, I, my first recollection is fostering. It sounds very scary. Yeah. I and it feel that. like it's for like like more than just parenting, like in general, like parenting to me sounds scary, but then foster parenting sounds like a whole nother layer, yeah, and a I whole mean, new elevation of fright. And so to hear you say it's filled with highs. Oh yeah. There's so many great moments. I have Tell like, me. I mean like what, like our, the first placement we had, it snowed and we took the kids and we over to like a hill by our house and we slid down the, the hill in the snow for like hours Mm. We recorded on a GoPro. We made all these funny videos and we watched them. Then we came home and watched Frozen. That sounds awesome. It was a really great day. That sounds uh, amazing. Or like we now have movie nights where we watch pizza. We watch pizza. We watch movies and eat pizza on Fridays. Like we just act like a family. Mm. And it's just like like the and like the our youngest right now, like I guess I've turned into like a daddy's girl somehow. She like okay. really likes me. Oh, uh, and that. she will, you know, the, the, it's fun to put her to bed. It's fun to hear her learn things she's starting to play like play with toys and make imaginative stories with them and stuff and just see her develop like we had one kid we got right before he was able to walk and he learned to walk in front of us in like three weeks while we mm. had him it was cool to see that 
or to see kid like kids who are behind in their speech suddenly be really successful in their speech and start like improving when they're in their house. Like mm. uh, one of the kids we had was obese, um, like childhood obesity. And she quickly got back to a normal weight within just living with us and running around and playing and, you know, wow. being outdoors. We had another kid who was severely malnourished and within like, you know, the three weeks we had her, she was back. She had gained like three pounds. She was a baby. She had yeah. gained three pounds. And so there's, you get to see all these tons of successes because you're making just the impact you're making on their life is insane. Mm. Uh, just having a, a safe, positive, like role model, like parent in their life is something these kids have never had. And so if you can be that for them, you're making a huge difference in the way they trust people and love people. Like I was even thinking like our youngest had a really big issue. She kept crying out in the middle of the night and would like, just like walk in the hallway and just scream. Uh, like I was having nightmares or something. Mm. And I, we, and we'd get up every night, go put her back to bed I was telling my wife, I was like, man, this is awful. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, yeah. Getting up every night is awful. But then it's like, you realize like, but she's learning to trust, you know, mm-hmm. like we're, we're teaching her trust. We're teaching her to, she knows she calls in the middle of the night. Someone's going to come get her. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, that wasn't guaranteed for her mm-hmm. as a kid, you know, or she was it's before. Good perspective. And so, you know, that's good. And then you think about the negatives, like there's tons of negatives. Like it's hard to, every time there's a visit, they, they, they act different. Mm-hmm. You know, they come home, they get really amped. Mm-hmm. Um, one of ours has kind of has a little bit of a self-harming thing where mm-hmm. she kind of like, well, like sometimes scratch her skin really when she's nervous. Mm. Um, we have, like, you know, we've had kids who like, I, I, and it's just, yeah. Like when they see their parents, they then act differently or like, they just go through like these like really big emotional lows. Mm. Like it's hard to see kids who are hurting, just crying and, and begging for a family member who really can't help them. Like mm. I, I've seen, all of our, I've seen kids cry out for their dad or their mom mm-hmm. and know that like, like if their mom or dad was there that they, they wouldn't be able to provide anything for mm-hmm. them, but they, but they're just that, that, that deep longing for like that family mm-hmm. who, who birthed you and, you know, made you mm-hmm. and, uh, and just, yeah, just to see that hurt when they can't be with them. Mm-hmm. Even if that person's ultimately painful to be with, they still want to be with them. There's some sort of human condition in that. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard. That's a hard thing to witness over and over and over again. And just the ins and outs of like, you have you have an organization that's a giant bureaucracy mm-hmm. that is, doesn't always seem to really care about the kids. I know they do, but their actions don't always seem like they do. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard um, to try to navigate that. Mm-hmm. And we went through a situation where we were really concerned about something going off the parent for like months. And we kept telling them and then no one seemed to be doing anything. Mm-hmm. And then we're not suddenly like, oh yeah, yeah, we, we did this. And like after like months and we're like, why didn't y'all do anything earlier? We're like, oh, we just had to wait till this like meeting we could have. It's like, so we just let this slide for like three months and you didn't care. Mm. It's like, well, you know, they're in your house, so they're safe there. And so it's like stuff like that. I mean, I don't, they didn't quite say that exactly that way. That's me. But it's like, but they know like when they, yeah, they, it's an organization that is imperfect Mm -hmm. and they're balancing these caseworkers have like some of them like 27 kids that they're doing. And that can be like, I like, like often pairs, brothers and sisters, but like, and you know, they're working a job. They don't get paid very much. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be the most emotionally painful job ever. Yeah. I can't it, imagine. And, and they're doing this many of them for like nine months and they're like, I can't do this anymore. And mm-hmm. then they're out and that stinks. Cause that really affects a kid's life mm-hmm. when they're, when the caseworker's on the case for three months and they're like, I gotta go. And it's like, you can't blame the caseworker, but you also may at the same time, like, man, I just wish this wasn't how this was. Mm-hmm. 
and it just starts making you wonder like this is my thing I've, I've this is what i've pondered since i became a foster parent is like you hear all these politicians and people always saying like we care about kids and families mm-hmm. and i'm not actually certain that we do i actually agree I, with you yeah it yeah. feels like we actually think the opposite like we don't really care about kids at all yeah i can i agree and just trying to navigate some of the like the we because when you're a foster parent you get to use some of the same resources that biological parents could use mm-hmm. uh, like people who are in poverty you can use and stuff and okay and they're insanely difficult to navigate Hmm. and it's and into like and like you know like kate and i we're like college educated people who are yeah, you're smart are, i think we you're both graduated yeah. with like high grade point <laughs> averages and we're like how are we supposed to do this and we're like trying to call people and work with like different systems and spend all this time it's like if someone doesn't know how to do that they can't get those resources hmm. and so it's like we have them there but we're also not it's like almost like we're not giving it at the same time yeah. like, and i'm obviously not the best person. I don't know all the ins and outs. I'm not like trying to write a policy or get elected on it, but it's something that feels like it just feels like it there's a easier. disconnect in what we're yeah. we're doing. Yeah. And if and, and if you really wanted to fix some of these things, there's probably easier solutions that we could be doing. I don't know what those are, mm-hmm. but it feels like you get some smarter people together in a budget, we can make it happen. You yeah. know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Not to. We're, now we're a nation of people who say, you know. We, we care about our kids and we prioritize our kids. But where the rubber meets the road, that's not always what you see. No, I mean, lots of times we prioritize our kids, like literally our household. Our by, yeah. Yes, it's, we don't household. really care about the other kids. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, is my kid thriving? Is my kid going to get to go to the school I want them to go to? Cool, all right. Yeah. Oh, that kid down the street who's struggling? I don't care about him. That's and that's and that's that's the American issue, I think, in general. Yeah, we often prioritize prioritize ourselves, ourselves yeah. and our community and our hmm. nuclear family over a greater community. Mm-hmm. And I that I think that's a problem. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, you said in your first episode, I listened to your first episode, talking about like deaths of despair and things like that. And yeah. You can, like, I think that's there's connection probably in that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think. That's part of the, that's part of what makes the gospel stand out. Yes, you yeah. know, is that we are a group of unrelated, on earth, unrelated people. Yeah, who put each other's needs uh, in uh, above ourselves. Yeah, you know, from time we don't do it faithfully because we're still sinful, broken people. You know, but we're working to put others' needs above our own. Yeah, you know by the grace of God and by his, by the work of sanctification within us, it's making us more like Christ by that alone. Are we able to. Yeah. Dying to self is die to ourself. Thank you. That's the phrase. It's it's so, it's so important to say like, and that's, what's great about parenting, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you, you mean, you know, as a parent, it's like, I don't want to uh, clean my kid's diaper, but (laughs) I need to do this or else, you know, this kid will struggle because of this and we'll have Mm -hmm. other big Mm -hmm. issues, you know, it's like that that understanding of like giving up things that you want to do because it helps other people mm-hmm. and loving that. Like that that's like when you like I'm most happy when I'm serving other people. I for some reason still believe the lie that if I'm just like given more free time, I'll, things will be great. Like, oh, <laughs> if, I, if you just gave me like four weeks of entirely no like just complete freedom, no kids, no wife, no whatever to I just like do the things I need to do. Like, first of all, I don't even know what those things are. Seemingly they're just the things I want, which is a vague, nothing <laughs> statement. Uh, and then I, you know, and I, and I'm like a teacher on summer break. And I'm like, oh, I just need like a few days, like after like 12 hours, I'm like, this is awful. Mm. Like, what am I doing? I'm just being selfish. I'm, I'm not, I'm not loving my family. Well, I'm mm. not, 
you know, caring about my community. I'm just focusing on me. Yeah. And that's, that's not. Isn't godly. it weird too? How like, I don't know if this is always the case in my spiritual life, but like, it was, when I was younger in my faith, but like as years gone by, kind of bringing our conversation back full circle now, mm-hmm. like I realize now that I am, my life is smoother and my life feels happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm thinking of myself less. And yeah. when I am dying to myself and when I am realizing my need for God, for the scriptures in my life, um, yeah. I don't know. Like, like you say, I, I, I'll, I'll, just to align with what you said, like when I, if I was left to my own devices, I'd say, oh, I'm much more happier if I'm setting my own schedule, living by my own rules, accomplishing <laughs> my own goals. And there are people who go 80 years, 90 years, you know, or less following that. And you just see this pattern of, when you read between the lines, you see emptiness. Yeah, I feel like that would be a really because in the end, like you're just you chase after the idols to replace. Like I mean, I mean, you could live entirely, you could live a single life and serve your community, mm-hmm. and and teach people about Jesus and evangelize mm-hmm. and like plant churches, and you could do that really well, mm-hmm. and that could be a really great, well filled mm-hmm. life. But if you're living your life to say, oh, it's just me, and I, you know, I wanna, I wanna go be able to go clubbing or whatever, and I wanna, <laughs> I wanna be able to read. <laughs> books every night and not yeah. have anyone talk to me and watch my tv shows on netflix or and... even pour your life into meaningful causes yeah yeah that's not the, yeah maybe i just want to like yeah. save the, the whales yeah yeah are they saved yet i don't think they don't been, know. i think they're still not <laughs> saved sadly but but you know yeah i mean it's funny a life apart from the gospel um from the changing the truth, the cha- life changing truth of the gospel, um, and I mean it when I say life changing. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it will it will not be the same. You know, it will not be as fulfilling. It will not be as to say, to say nothing of the eternal consequences. Yeah. Just your days on earth here will be so much fuller if you deny yourself and you pour your, mm, yeah. your life into following the Lord. Yeah, like when you. Life. I mean, when you remember the fact that Jesus like had to come to earth and die to like make a way so we can be with them for eternity. Like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, that should be humbling that mm-hmm. like we're, we were that broken that God had to like send himself to die, you know, send his mm-hmm. only son to come and die for us. That's a mm-hmm. big deal. And that means that we should be doing the same thing to all the people around us. Like we should be dying to ourselves because mm-hmm. myself is my, my inward desires are often pretty foolish. Yeah. And same. you have to, it's, you have to spend even when I'm trying to work on like good things, you know, yeah. like I'm trying to pick songs for the church or I'm trying yeah. to, you know, lead my music team well, like spiritually or things like that. I'm still so fraught with sin and selfishness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a desire to make yourself happy. And then you don't realize like, it's like we, it's like we know what happiness is, but we're not always sure how we get there. Yeah. And it's like, you're not going to become happy by just focusing on your me time over and over and over again. You're mm-hmm. going to, it's, if it's always about you, you're you're missing the point on life. Mm-hmm. You're going to be living a life that is hurtful to those around you, yeah. and is ultimately hurtful to yourself, and it's just based on lies. It's when you die to yourself and, and love like Jesus loved, and live like Jesus lived, and just completely and just repent over and over again of all of your failings. Yeah, <laughs> like that you start seeing, you start under you start seeing how good that life is. So you're saying you're not a holy person. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm a I'm a failure on so many things all the time. Okay. I'm far from holy. Okay, well we've yeah. got that cleared up. Yes, yes, yeah. I will I will not be walking on water anytime soon. Okay, um, good. Neither, neither will I. Yeah. Neither will I. Neither will any of the guys I've had on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Frankly, 
I mean, um, we had Jeff on here. I mean, he's Jeff's pretty, pretty close. Yeah, Jeff's like real close. <laughs> That's the weatherman. And him. I love teasing him. It's so funny. He takes it so well. Yeah, um, he he really lets me bully him like more than he should. He probably secretly despises. Yeah, us. he like hates me. He, every <laughs> night he writes a letter that he just means to send to me uh, and then he doesn't. After this interview, I'll tell you off mic how I always tease him. It's it's. <laughs> I think I even said it on here already, but anyway, I'll tell you later. But real quick, I want to wrap up with three lighthearted questions. Yeah, and right. well, three questions just so our guests can get to know you. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, or my listeners can get to know you. Um, what's a book other than the Bible that has uh, significantly shaped your personal faith, your theology? Okay. Um, so uh, that book, so my probably, I was thinking about this because you, you sent me these questions mm-hmm. earlier. So I was kind of pondering it. Uh, and there's a book that really kind of came to mind by uh, an author named John Tyson. I don't okay. know if you ever heard of him. No. He's uh, like an Australian transplant to New York. Like he's from Australia. He yeah. now lives in New York City. Okay. Uh, and he wrote a book called The Beautiful Resistance, which okay. is just like about like living what a Christian life could look like and like a culture that doesn't isn't Christian. Hmm. And it's just really just a beautiful book that just it just talks about like the importance of prayer and Sabbathing and fasting and like 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 dying to yourself in your community and just like all these different things that make the Christian life unique. And just, I remember reading that and just consistently just being like, wow, like this is just really cool. Mm. And I only read it like five years ago or something, mm-hmm. like four years ago, but it just really, it was, it was putting words to things I'd been pondering in a way that was really, uh, just really well-written and beautiful. I'd recommend it to anybody. Okay. It's a really good book. Yeah. Next question. Mm. Uh, and that sounds like a fascinating book. Yeah, it's just, really good. Just for the sake of time, I'm moving on. Uh, next question. Uh, what is a controversial opinion about a certain food item dish mm. that you may have? So my controversial opinion is that I think Asian noodles are better than Italian noodles. Oh, completely agreed. Okay. So that's, is that not controversial? I don't know. I think it might be for some, but I, thought, I, I okay. think it may be for some, cause there's a ton of Italian places and I, Katrina and I always joke around because we have the hardest time spending money eating Italian. Out. Yeah. It always feels kind of stupid. You know, yeah. cause like noodles are cheap. Yeah, Jar, like, jarred pasta sauce is cheap. Oh yeah, you can eat. You could, but you can go get like a plate of spaghetti at a nice Italian place, and it's like twenty bucks. You could, like, yeah, <laughs> you could feed a family for a week on like twenty dollars of really cheap Italian, like homemade noodles. And, and I pasta. certainly, for the record, I certainly do understand. There's a big difference between uh, <laughs> like a jar of store brand, yeah, ragu or whatever, <laughs> and some really nice homemade sauce. Like I definitely, that's true. Agree. But you can but, make homemade sauce for probably. Roughly the same, yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah. Tomatoes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Italian doesn't feel. Yeah, I've always when I eat really nice Italian, I'm also kind of. What's like, What's your Asian noodle dish of choice? Oh, I really like. So I I used to really like pho. Okay. The, that uh-huh. that's not really a noodle dish. It's like a soup with yeah, noodle in it. But good. yeah. Uh, um. But there's a there's a Thai restaurant. We have a ton of Thai restaurants here. Some good ones. Too. One of them, yeah. which I can never remember which one. There's like okay. Thai terrace, Thai list. They all have Thai in it. Of course. Uh, Thai select. But I think it's Thai select actually. Oh, or okay. Thai. Li- ah, I don't know. Go ahead. But it's a, it's a, they're like Tom, it's like a. The noodle Tom it's Yum. Like, nah, it's like a Tom Yum noodle. Yeah. It's yeah, so dude. good. It has like lemongrass the, and yes, stuff. Yes. The one from Thai select. Yeah. Thai select. so and good. Yes. Every time I have that, I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever eaten. Like it is. And I was so bummed when I had COVID. I couldn't, I couldn't smell. Oh. And I didn't get my sense of smell back for like a surprisingly long amount yeah. of time. Okay. And we, my wife and I went on like a date to there and I was like, oh, I'm going to get this soup. 
and I was eating. I was like, I can't taste. I can't. T- I could barely taste any of it. Like whatever the it was like in the registry, my nose wasn't getting at that point. Mm. And I was like really sad. I was like, I may never be able to taste this amazing <laughs> sa- uh, soup. And ever that particular again. dish I've had at uh, at so Thai Select good. It is so good. Yeah, you can You're see right like the lemongrass broth. Like just mm. it's like it's like the broth has so much like life. I've ordered that there a long time. Yeah, I'm going to get that next time I go. Yeah, next time. Well, well, when we when we meet again for the well, for the, the, the food review podcast. <laughs> yeah. Padwin Sin from yeah. there is what I was. Yeah, get. that one's also very good. You know, the glass yeah. noodles and yes. always get it loaded with shrimp. It's so good. Yes. Um, what's funny, real real fast. Whenever I had COVID, I, I maybe it was the first or second time because I've had COVID like two, three, four times now. <laughs> you just it's just the life of a musician. You just hang out, you know. And COVID filled dance I hang out in parties. <laughs> I mean, that's, I play music at parties, so I get sick all the Did time. Did you go to any like like? Never mind. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's okay. I'm so not gonna say where I, I was going. I uh, I. Uh, <laughs> I had one one of the infections though that I had. I had a weird food thing where it changed my taste for like a week or two. Uh, that was awful. Anything with tomatoes in it, which is a lot. Yeah. Uh, tasted. Like half of food. Oh, it tasted like ammonia. Oh. Like like have you ever smelled ammonia before? Yeah, it and it's like, just it like, like it's just cat pee or something. Oh, it's yeah. just the most intense, and it burns your nose. And yeah, seriously, ketchup, hot sauce, salsa, anything with tomatoes in it at all. For what reason, tomatoes? I don't know what it was. Weird. It was, That's it was bizarre. Like it was like I could take, I could eat something like, oh, there's tomato in this. Oh, it, that sounds. It was bad, and so, I don't like tomatoes really to begin with, unless it's like a tomato product. Yeah. But like anything, any, like I, I distinctly remember having to like I could not eat ketchup with my French fries. That's like the people who like for like say, a solid month. Like, it's like it was like people who like when they eat cilantro, it tastes like soap to them. It was like that, but instead of that seems tolerable. It was very much in that same vein. Uh, I'm telling you, like, it was like nail polish remover or like ammonia or something very intense, inedible, alcoholic, like, kind of burn your nose. Kind of, it was bizarre. I'm so glad that went away because it lasted for a while. Yeah, I thought it was going to be stuck with that forever. Gosh, yeah, that it was weird. Yeah, the little blessings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have a friend I work with who's like, he says he can taste alcohol like really strongly in any alcoholic drink. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, he's like, I'll have like like a beer and it and it feels like, he's like, it's just the most disgusting thing <laughs> I can even imagine. I was like, he's like, he's like, it tastes like ethanol. I'm like, I'm like, really? Whoa. Yeah. Not ethanol, maybe. Isopropyl alcohol. Yeah, maybe. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethanol would be gasoline. Well, uh, well yeah. just pure, yeah, just pure <laughs> alcohol, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 that's wild. That's that's awful. I'm sorry. No, when I when I I couldn't smell and taste of COVID, I just couldn't. I could only not smell like my kids like like diapers. (laughs) It was really weird. Like it was a poopy diapers. Like I can't tell. And you think that's a, a positive until you're hanging out with them and you're playing, and then you're like, "What is on? <laughs> like, what's happening?" So they all your kids have diaper rashes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You didn't. You don't realize that they have pooped all over. Yeah. Anyway. Oh man, I find when that when my child, my daughter, you know, she's the only one in diapers still. When she has a diaper rash, it seems just as bad for us as it does for her. <laughs> yeah, it's like when your kid's sick, it's somehow really bad for the parents too. Oh. Yeah brutal and there's like some weird there's some weird like awful 1930s dad in me it's like just just drink some water you'll be okay you'll be fine rub some dirt on it and then my wife's like you should probably give him like tylenol or something i'm like (laughs) oh i'll be just let him sleep then like five minutes later i'm giving him tylenol like yeah that was a good point i don't know what i was thinking (laughs) like i don't i don't 
know, that's Zane, my, the old school dad. Yeah, my yeah. inherent like apparently I want to go like shoot Lassie or something. Oh, like, old Yeller, old Yeller, not old, Lassie. Old Lassie. Yeah, no one shot Lassie. Ever. No, I don't think so. This is this is where we've devolved to. Um, <laughs> Hank the cow dog is yeah. up next. Uh, so, <laughs> last question. I'm going to put you into. This is a question I did not see the prep for. Oh, I always like the reaction to this one. Oh. Last question, though. I'm going to put you into a fight to the death, and you have to choose your <laughs> opponent. I've already lost. <laughs> you have to choose your opponent. I would like for you to – you might have heard this question from your students. I don't oh, know. It would be fun. If it, I'd be curious to see what high school students My kids don't talk say. to me. They just they – just, <laughs> <laughs> I talk to them, and they, they did, okay. and they look at me like I'm insane. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I'm going to put you into the fight to the death, uh, and if you win, you will see, receive great fame and fortune. Okay. Um, you have to choose your opponent, however, and this is a, a barehanded fight to the death, and you're locked into an arena, let's say, the size of a football field, so you can't just run infinitely away. Okay. Um, do you, would you rather fight uh, a single horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? 100 duck-sized horses or single horse-sized duck. I feel like don't birds have like really like brittle bones. Mm-hmm. So if like a like I, I'm just yeah, gonna go with the, a, the a porous, physics yeah, argument the, that if, okay. a, if a horse-sized duck existed, mm-hmm. it would take like a step and it would just break. <laughs> it just legs would snap, and I just oh. be like, and I wouldn't have to. Fly. Well, let's assume it could walk. Oh, okay, uh, all right. I was hoping, but you might be able to break its leg easier yeah, than maybe a horse-sized horse. Yeah, yeah, or maybe I could like hide <laughs> under its wings. I feel I, I feel like a duck would like. I don't know. Like we had, like, is there water in this arena? Is I don't it, like think swimming so. at me? Okay. Um, no. Let's just say land. You know, a hundred horse size, duck size horses might be kind of fun. I, that would just be more interesting. Okay. Because I would have to like kick them off and like, <laughs> like, like throw them places. <laughs> throw and, them. Yeah. I had somebody. I can't remember who it was. He <laughs> said, "I'm just gonna kill one and then use it as a weapon against the others." Ooh. I'm like, oh, oh. do they have little tiny horseshoes? I suppose. <laughs> I just think like he's swinging like around like it's a rubber chicken or something. Yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> I don't know. That that's that, yeah. that, that 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 question will I will I will ponder this for the rest of my life. Okay, I want to hear your answer uh, on, if you on, ever have any change of on mind. my tombstone. I wanted to say like he chose the duck. <laughs> that's a good place to land right there. Saying <laughs> Forsyth, thank you so much for coming over, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate you. That was uh, my interview with the wonderful Zane Forsyth. If you have any feedback about today's show. I would really like to hear from you. Uh, Shoot me a message straight from the homepage at defiantdad.com. And also, if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Hey, if you like this show, would you mind sharing it with a friend today and maybe leaving me a five-star rating on wherever platform you're listening to? Uh, It's a super simple way to help boost the visibility of the show so that more dads like you and I can hear the life-changing message of the gospel. Also, if you're on Instagram, I'd really love to have your follow. Uh, The name there is The Defiant Dad, all one word. That's The Defiant Dad. This is The Defiant Dad Podcast. My name is Andrew Sullivan, and I will catch you next Monday. Thank you so much for listening.